0: Hi everyone, this is Tony Holbein. You're listening to The Revenue Formula. In today's episode, we are going to talk about why you need to implement a zero-friction, zero-risk purchasing journey. And we're going to go through four or five examples of how to actually do it. Enjoy. I said this to Mikkel once, um, before, like, important all hands during Corona. Yeah. um, Because you sit in your office all day. (laughs) I actually uh, went out of the office, so my home office jumped around and then went into the all-hands like, let's go!
1: this feels weird it feels weird being on the, the this side of the the actual mics this feels weird being on the side of the camera once again and yes for those listening of those watching potentially a video Mikkel has not just changed his accent grown a little hair gained a little weight
0: that was that was my spiel Bob. <laughs> no 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 we uh we have a substitute teacher here today we
1: do yeah it's Bart. It's Bart. Yeah, I'm also part of the marketing team. I'm working a little bit closer lately with the, the product. I think I, the most interesting part about it is con- comparing me and Nickel, I have absolutely zero really background in revenue operations. So this whole, I guess the way I'm approaching marketing and the way I'm approaching all these topics is kind of friendly. me. I, I think we all, we we'll talk about our meetings, business school 101.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's the mini mba
1: yeah but i mean it's, it's been interesting and, and uh i'm only taking up as a substitute teacher for now while michael's taking a well-deserved break for his fraternity
0: yes so what people obviously you know might not know or, uh you know aren't aware of uh michael actually has been out for like uh, over a month yeah uh, you know close to over a month or something like that um got his third wonderful child mm-hmm. um everyone is happy everyone is healthy everything is good um and um yeah he'll be back in you know roughly a month from now so we are in denmark you know yes guys take off for two months for paternity here that's a, that's a good thing um and uh you know we've been we've been working hard to make sure that uh, the the podcast and the the show here is uh, continuous uh, continuing seamlessly
1: yeah so the nice thing about it is if you actually really do hate the sound of my voice don't worry it'll i'll be i'll be replaced eventually but if you do like the sound of my voice eventually we'll actually start introducing a couple more shows here <laughs> let's and there go. so maybe you'll hear me a little bit more but today let's talk about let's talk a little bit about the actual purchasing journey of a customer before we actually start we had a pre-production meeting when we were actually just kind of discussing some potential topics on this and one of the interesting things is tony t- gave me this imaginary credit card, told me to go to a a random B2B SaaS. We we chose Marketo in this case. You gave me the challenge, just buy this product. Easy, right? Okay, so I view the product tour, great. Well, before I can even do anything, they tell me, okay, well, give us all your info and then maybe sales will get back to you. Well, okay, well, let's go into at least the pricing page because at least I can see prices, compare it, give it to my boss, you know, figure that out. We had four tiers in the pricing page. The first three tiers, no prices listed. Uh, The fourth tier, obviously, enterprise. Obviously, you have to talk to sales, but a bit of an oxymoron. The pricing page has no prices. It's not an uncommon B2B practice. Mm -hmm. But with that said, it is kind of putting up a lot more roadblocks when it comes to the actual purchasing journey. Because it's not anymore, say, the revenue operators buying product. We're seeing more and more like the CFO coming in mm-hmm. uh, and, and other C suite people that really want to have a, a, a say in this process. But now that we're kind of creating these roadblocks, what does this actually mean to customers? Yeah.
0: And, and the thing is, it doesn't end at uh, you land on the website, the CTA is unclear. Uh, then when you click a CTA, you need to fill in a form. If you want to see pricing, you don't know about pricing. It doesn't end there. It's, you know Then you jump on a, a half an hour discovery call where you basically need to qualify yourself in. You need to mm-hmm. show you're worthy. Um, then maybe the next time you have an actual call with a demo being prepared for you, maybe not. Sometimes it's the one after. Um, and you're basically kind of being taken through this, through this process um, of then suddenly being you know exposed to, oh, this is uh, $150,000. You need to pay it up front um and uh, and otherwise we don't need to proceed here right and mm-hmm. and i think um obviously for my that's going to w- keep working great i mean they've kind of ascended to you know heights where this you know can be done um i think for many other of us uh, it's probably not going to work out uh, and especially it's not going to work out this year mm-hmm. um i think some of these um hey, PLG is great and do everything, you know, ungated and for free and and all of that stuff. There's a lot of people, you know, talking about it and thinking about it. And I think that um, around this year, 2023, I think there will be a little bit more focus on this actually. And I think a couple of more than just forward... Thinking, Yahoo's <laughs> will we'll probably start like, "Hey, wait a minute, maybe this is the way we should be thinking about it instead." And this is this is what we're going to discuss today, actually, a little bit.
1: With twenty twenty three, uh, we're talking a lot about efficiency, a, a lot of cutting head counts, and a lot about you know tools for budgets. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, right now, w- what we really want to see is an ROI. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so I think the um, again, right, what is what is going to happen twenty three? I think. Uh everyone so the investors are demanding efficiencies from everyone. Um, this whole growth at all cost thing is kind of over for now. Let's see when and or if it comes back. Um and and what people are doing, generally speaking, is they not everyone is necessarily cutting. A lot of people are just slowing down hiring, and then a bunch of people are cutting headcount. Um, I think yesterday or so was announced that even Salesforce is cutting 10% of the workforce. Pretty crazy. Um, and obviously that extends also to tooling budgets, right? Which then whenever you want to bring in a new tool, basically there is no budget for a new tool. Forget about it. The CFO basically says automatically no. And the only way to maybe, you know, convince the CFO to still buy it is by like show crazy RI, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is when, when you put yourself into the shoes of your champion or of your decision maker, let's just say you're not directly selling to the CFO, you're selling to someone else, Um you know they they might even be fearing to bring anything up to the CFO because it might just die there, right? So kind of there's already kind of a fairly high barrier that you need to jump over. Then if you in addition to that barrier that is now fairly massive, and by the way on purpose, this is this is how this is how CFOs work that they basically never want to say no, but they just want to make it difficult for you to even approach them, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, imagine that is, that is, you know, a large part of the barrier right now. And then on top of that part of the barrier, you're putting up, well, um, you know, I'm not going to tell you pricing unless you spend two hours with me. You won't be able to, you know, play around with this thing. And unless you actually, you know, sell it, uh, have bought it, uh, you need to pay me a hundred thousand dollars upfront and so forth. Um, well, you know, you need to pay me the hundred thousand dollars when your contract starts well, knowing that you probably only will have real utility from the tool three to six months in once it's set up and so forth. All of these things, they just added to that barrier, mm-hmm. right? Um, and basically, you're going to make it increasingly difficult for people to jump over that barrier, right? And and I think that the way you should be thinking about it is, well, now that the CFO puts up larger and larger barriers to jump over, um, you need to make your barriers the small, you know, the as small as as freaking possible, right? Yeah. To kind of maybe stay in the same balance that you had before.
1: One of the things that we've kind of talked about here, in full disclosure as a company, we are creating a product. And one of the ideas that we're kind of talking about is we want a zero friction and zero risk purchasing journey here. Yeah. So what does that
0: mean to you? Yes. So basically the the way and yes, we kind of Obviously, we're convinced of what we are kind of talking here on the on the podcast, and, and that's why we're using it ourselves as well. But generally speaking, the the discussion the team was around how can we you know in this in this environment um, in this situation how can we make it a no brainer for a champion or a decision maker um, to bring it up with the CFO and for the CFO to say yeah whatever. Mm-hmm and i i understand and i appreciate that not everyone listening here will be in that situation right you you might have a company that's going for 5 to 10 years or something like that you can't just radically change everything around um or you have so high up you know uh, upfront you know setup cost for your tool where it just doesn't make sense to kind of create all of that uh, you know where you can't afford to create that you know zero friction zero risk but for everyone who can kind of conceivably think about doing this, right? Um, you basically need to, in order to make it a no-brainer for your buyers um, or the, the, the buyer group in, in essence, you need to try and make it as zero friction and as zero risk as possible for them. That's what we believe, right? And, and I think one way to uh, make it uh, even more relevant for you, I think whoever in your category is figuring this out the first, will probably win, right? Especially, you know, when you, when you think about PLG as so a product like growth, a lot of people are saying, well, you know, we have this big tool, we can't do it, can't be done, you know, PLG is for those SMB vendors. I do believe that's true, by the way. I think there's there's truth in that. But the, the way you need to be thinking about it is, are you 100% sure you're right? Because if one of your competitors is going to figure this out, I think they will have a, a massive advantage towards you, right? Um, because they are one really fast step into the zero friction, zero uh, risk purchasing journey uh, that you might be lagging behind, right? But let's let's break down what zero friction, zero risk actually means in in that in that context, right? And we have a couple of of examples, and I think um, uh, you know a bunch of uh, bunch of ideas that uh, might be worthwhile for some people to try out, and some some potentially not, right? So let's. Let's actually dive into this. So obviously you could start even further up, like, hey, you shouldn't be gating your content and all of that jazz, but let's, just, let's go, go down to the someone knows you, someone maybe has the need, someone has the demand, mm-hmm. and someone is now saying, okay, I need tool uh, ABC in this category, right? The first friction point for everyone that wants to buy is the research phase. When you look at your website today and when you look at the material that you have out there, do you really believe that someone reading this with fresh eyes, not with your eyes, mm-hmm. with fresh eyes, do you really think that they get to the point where they feel like, okay, I totally get what this is. Um, I totally, you know, I have a couple of uh, detail. Are they doing this as well? Are they doing this? How are they doing that? Um, you know, are all of those questions being answered. Um, and if the answer is no, you're basically creating. Uh, you know, barriers to research your product, right? To even get to the phase of like, okay, now I'm convinced enough uh, maybe to take that call or to take the next step, to watch a 10-minute video, to do something else. Um, you know, I, are you making this easy, right? And I have an example for you. I would like a <laughs> Anyway, so I obviously kind of used to work at, uh, you know, Falcon Social Brand Watch, uh, social media management. And... Um, um you know obviously as one of the one of an employee there i want to kind of buy their product because we maybe need this for our social media uh, audience and so forth um and uh, they have like a very hidden uh plg kind of product that has gotten very little love mm-hmm. and i basically i'm like okay can they do that specific thing over there um and i don't know there's no way to find this out on on the brandwatch.com website right now i had to kind of Ask my, you know, good friend that, you know, back then when I left was VP of sales, now he's EVP of sales managing $80, $80 million in, in, in new sales every year. I mean, I had to ask this guy, are you doing this one feature there? Yeah. And he actually also didn't know, funny enough. But, <laughs> but the thing is, then, you know, then I went to the competitor, Sprout, and see there. Is, uh, you know, I could answer that question immediately. So, so for me, that barrier for Sprout was much, much lower right now and now it could pro- progress to like, ah, okay, do I think that the price is too high? Or, you know, wh- what do I think about that, right? And and really um, creating that and how do you create that? Well, a solid copy on your, you know, non-BS copy on your website, actually describing what you do, uh, maybe videos showing what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be, you know, obviously screenshots and not the marketing stylized screenshots, but really, ah, okay, now I get how this would work. Um, and, and the other thing is um, like a, either a very well-prepared frequently asked questions section somewhere or a almost open, um, you know, customer service forum help thing. Um, that's how I kind of solved my uh, question with Sprout, actually. I basically searched Sprout's individual LinkedIn account support or something like that. And that was a question that a customer asked, um, and then there was a customer service rep answering it in a public forum and I could see, okay, they have it. Okay, now moving on, right? Um, and this is this is ease of research in that sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's not just you on that too. There's been some really good research coming out talking about how a lot of customers today, uh, especially, I'm going to sound like my mom when I say this, it's because of the millennials. Mm. <laughs> most millennial customers today are actually doing more of their research than ever before. Mm. I think the, the, the one crazy stat I found was only uh, out of the, this huge survey, only 9% of them said that they actually reach out to vendors before they do their own research. Yeah. yes. So if right now, if you have customers that are asking questions on their own, that your website's not giving you and that you're forcing them to kind of talk to a salesperson, you're just making it a whole lot harder for them. And you're making a whole lot harder yourself.
0: Yeah. I can tell you, no one wants to talk to salespeople. No. Also, I'm a millennial. If I get a call, I don't know who it is, even if I know who it is, (laughs) but they didn't say that they're going to call. They didn't text me before. Text me. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not sure I'm gonna pick up now. Mm-mm. You know, it's, I don't want to talk to people actually. So you know, that's that's a thing, right? And you need to create ways of them to passively consume your stuff without needing to reach out and talk to someone proactively. Anyway, this is you know one part, right? Moving further down, and it's not a not in any super particular order, but let's go maybe to uh, pricing on the website. Let's go to that next, right? So basically, you're now on the website. You're now getting to the point like, ah, okay, you know, this solves my problem. How much does it cost? Right, you click on the pricing or the plans or whatever. And number one, you wanna you wanna you wanna see numbers there
1: as a start. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> weird to have a pricing page with no prices.
0: So I mean, it, it does exist. I've I've been there myself, by the way. So I'm I'm guilty of that as well. But it yes, it's pretty freaking weird to not have you know numbers on your on your pricing page. And and consider this also as part of the easy research piece, right? If you, if you if you don't know what the ballpark is. You basically need to inbound. You need to call someone, and mm-hmm. and then you kind of talk to the the inbound SDR, and you're gonna say how much it's gonna cost. And that person is well trained to avoid that question because he doesn't want to set any you know anchors. And then the best you're gonna get out of that person is gonna say like, um. So usually our customers pay us between ten and a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> it's <laughs> like okay, great. That doesn't help me at all. So then you need to go to the next one with the AE and so forth, right? So make it easy to kind of research your pricing um, and uh, and also put yourself a little bit, again, into your buyer's shoes and be like, um, they, they kind of need to figure out, is this going to be a crazy conversation with the CFO? Is it going to be a medium conversation with the CFO? Do you even need to bring it up with the CFO? Mm-hmm. Can I maybe hide this on the credit card and, you know, kind of fly it under the radar in, in no malicious way? Um, and, you know, basically, if you if you don't give them that transparency, you make it actually... Harder for them to, you know, jump over that hurdle. Again, right? The barrier is like just a little bit higher because of that, right? So think about pricing on your website. Obviously, there are a couple of good reasons why you don't want to have that. My go-to advice is if no one else in your category is doing it, you probably shouldn't also be doing it. Um, but again, I think it could be in a competitive advantage by making it easier for your, for your, for your prospects to figure out how much you're gonna cost. Leading into the next thing, which is again, it's kind of, it's a cool thing. It's starting to be a little bit of a buzzword now. Again, you uh, know, obviously everyone knows what POG is. Yeah, I need to look at what UBP is. <laughs> Yes. I was like, is, isn't that like a bank or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> and it's usage-based pricing. Yes. No new, this is not a new idea it's at all. It's been around a long time, it's yes. It's been around for a while. But so why, why is it important now, actually? Well, number one, the, the cool thing about usage-based pricing is that it aligns your value with your costs, right? Mm-hmm. So it really kind of gives it the opportunity to say, um, this is how I perceive value from that solution. And that actually equals exactly how I pay for that, which is fantastic. right? So you basically have a good feel for the balance here. Yeah? That balance then also gives you the ability to upsell and downsell in a fluid way with your customers. Mm-hmm. Right? So that basically kind of tells you then that, well, um, if I want to have more value, then I also need to pay more money. If I decide to have less value because I can't afford it anymore, then you basically kind of scale it down. Uh, You have smaller step functions here. Mm -hmm. It doesn't go from $30,000 a year, sure, and $0 a year. It goes from uh, maybe you start on 10, maybe you go to 15 to 20, and now something like this hits and you go to 15 or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. So, kind of, you create a little bit of a fluid kind of motion here, uh, which is completely aligned with the value that they're receiving and the and the, the money that they're paying for that right and that really helps customers to when they're being challenged on pricing from the CFO to basically um, have a you know good foot to stand on to say hey um uh, i don't think we're overpaying here you know this is what the the price per user is this is what the price per row is the mm-hmm. price per whatever whatever is important for you um, and basically, um, you know, enable them to have that conversation with the CFO. Yeah. If, if your contract is $30,000 flat for the CFO, it's kind of very easy to say, like, well, either you churn it or, you, you know, why, why are you paying 30000 for this, right? There's very little room to have that conversation.
1: Yeah, and now you can actually scale with your customer and your customer's needs
0: as well. I mean, that's obviously always the the dream around it, and mm-hmm. there's a couple of downsides where you want to lock in people and so forth. But um, uh, I think if you can get as close as possible to kind of a usage-based pricing model, that's great. I think tactics here is also the every three months you should be sending a true up. Uh, so th- so what is a true up in this sense? Uh, so let's just say, say you you start out really low, 10 users, 1000 bucks a month or something like that, and then the customer sees value and then invites more other people, and you don't want to wait a full year before you then say, okay, now it's 20 people, Uh, you want to send quarterly true-up invoices uh, to kind of say like, hey, now you lock this, and now you lock this, and now you lock that in, Um, and you probably want to do it in a way where you don't cap them from adding more users, um, because that would be, that again, would be a barrier and so forth. Uh, You rather want to then just kind of send the additional invoice uh, afterwards. That obviously needs to be communicated and set up in the sales process. There needs to be an understanding expectation here. Um, And you need to think about, you know, is there some approval flow and so forth, but... Um that's, that's how I would approach it. And again, right, that helps you with net retention, rate. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that is like a, a great thing everyone wants to see. I can only advocate for that.
1: Let's talk about actually locking customers in and the minimum contracts. Is, is there something to consider there when it comes to this zero friction, zero risk
0: purchasing? So the more lock in, the more risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, the conversation that... So I've been a quasi-CFO myself a really long time <laughs> ago. And the, the thought process that CFOs usually have is, okay, what is my uh, money at risk here, mm-hmm. right? What if what if this goes south? Uh, what, what do I need to consider here, right? Um, and if you tell someone that minimum contract length is 12 months um, and minimum MRI is two or two and a half or 5K or whatever, then the risk here is immediately what is that 24 uh, 30 60,000 euros and that is a substantial risk in a in a, in a in a in a you know bar you need to potentially jump over if you have ways to again uh start small and then grow into that acv so i would argue that an upsell is less scrutinized than a new vendor that you bring on board yeah so uh, going from a 10 to 15k existing vendor is less gets less scrutiny than um, than those 15k from the start that 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 can help that um i think another thing is also to create some contractual tricks to let your customers off the hook if it doesn't work out so not a continuous churn whenever but like maybe for the first 90 days for your implementation period if it doesn't work out no problem we you know no uh, no cost incurred so basically kind of you in, and empower and enable your champion and decision-maker to have the conversation with the CFO and, you know, display less and less risk here, mm-hmm. right? Obviously, you can't do it for free, that's for sure, but basically kind of make it um, uh, try and work through some of those perceived and actual risk barriers that the CFO might have and and, and enable your, your champion, your decision-maker, or if you can be on the call yourself to um, – to battle some of those things.
1: And one last point that we kind of had is about how you could potentially also create bare bones packages.
0: And that goes a little bit into the into the direction of you know low entry barriers. Try and put something on, you know, let's just say you have it on your website, let's just say of usage-based pricing. Um and try and you know put something forward that um is the lowest minimum uh package that you could perceive. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and maybe that only enables your lowest customer to be successful so one package should create a successful setup it, if if you need an add-on on a package to even get started then that's that's just not a package um so you know figure out if you can create something like that which is then maybe what some of those customers can latch on to and jump on and say hey uh, let's start with this here dear CFO and let's see where this goes later on, right? And, and basically, um, if you don't have it already, just consider doing that. And again, all of these things will create some kind of friction with your existing customers and blah, blah, blah. And there needs to be a lot of thought and can't just be kind of is, you know, hey, let's let's, you know, reduce the number here on the website. Um, there, there needs to be quite some quite some thought also going into this, right? Mm-hmm. Um and I think you know now that we're all the way down in the in the funnel here um I think the the last bit really is um and it was i would say it was probably the 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 SaaS buzzword of the year of twenty two was p l g and I think it does surface here again as well and and for good reason, i feel so th- if you think about it um you know opening up your product you know for um for users to jump into and to try out one it's part of your research um, efforts. So all the copy, all the videos, all the stuff, um, if someone is convinced at that point to jump in and try it out, actually trying the software um, will always be the more insightful research you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that is a, that is a biggie. Um, and then obviously giving your users and customers maybe the opportunity to buy something without needing to talk to someone. Yep. I think it's... A, <laughs> I think people underestimate how disliked it is to talk to salespeople. And if if your customers have the opportunity to get around that, you should try and give them that opportunity. If they are motivated enough because they have, you know, they understand that this is the solution, they just can't figure this one step out and then raise their hand and want some help, then that's a different conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think this is where then the sales assist kicks in, right? And now when you think about it, the sales assist in this case helps you to um you know, basically shorten down some of, your, uh, some of your sales cycles for the sales part because the product has been doing so much heavy lifting already. Sales comes in and now converts it in the end, right? So this is, you know, in a nutshell, and maybe we kind of do a nicer framework around this, in a nutshell, um, that's what we are thinking about when we talk about zero friction, zero risk uh, purchasing journey. And I think this is what will be necessary this year in order to get uh, deals moving.
1: Yeah, and I think there's a lot of really interesting and good practical advice in there. But I don't think it's as easy as saying, okay, let's just implement this stuff. We're golden. Everything will be great. Let's talk about some of the pressures that the yeah. internal company is going to be facing by actually putting some of the stuff out.
0: yeah So many of these things that I just mentioned, um, they touch upon different parts of the organization, not only between marketing and sales and seers, but even finance and so forth, right? Who could be... Who could be better suited to, you know, solve and work on some of those pains? Well, you know, it's obviously revenue operations from my perspective. Um, And, you know, I'll I'll give you a couple of examples here, right? So um, if you are doing PLG, usage-based pricing, some of these things, uh, I can tell you right now, if you don't have it in place right now, if you want to do it, uh, you know, maybe this year, it will put immense pressure on your internal systems. Mm -hmm. Uh, having all of this stitched together from the website to your credit card provider, to your CRM, to your product, um, that's a bunch of work, like a bunch of bunch of work. and all of this needs to work together, um, and, and that will usually be a revenue operations task to kind of stitch it together and figure this out. Um, you will You will have to have pretty strong, I call it ironclad pricing. On your website, Mm -hmm. Um, that is usually something, you know, in some companies I've seen RevOps lead this even. Um, I think it's more of an assist kind of role for RevOps. Should probably be owned by uh, pro-marketing, maybe even by the CEO sometimes, depending on the size of the organization. Uh, But basically, the the, the tricky bit here is you need to align uh, what marketing things, what product things, and what sales things. And if you have been sales set before, putting pricing on the website, usually very scary. Lots of friction, lots of no's from your sales team. And, and, and all of these things kind of, they will, you know, not only take time and kind of, uh, you know, require lots of, you know, process thought and system thought, but... Um, but basically, that's what revenue operations probably is going to come in and kind of be able to help you with the most in that case, right? Mm-hmm. So I think from the the menu that we just went through, I think uh, many companies will struggle to do all of these things, even in alignment with their strategy. You know, that might not work. Um, I think uh, this is a menu where you maybe can pick and choose and I think implement mm-hmm. some of these things. I think RevOps can help with most and or all of them. Um, but generally speaking, obviously, this is not a proposal that revenue ops can lead, I think this needs to be a decision from somewhere higher up to say like, hey, we want to do uh, zero friction, zero risk here for our uh, customers or pur- the purchasing journey as much as possible. Um, here is a laundry list of things that we could do. Um, how would we do them and when would we execute them?
1: That is zero risk, zero friction purchasing all in a nutshell, I'm sure there's a lot more details you could potentially talk about into setting something like this. I think as a final question is, when should you be thinking about this as a company? Is this something you should be considering when you're starting, first starting up the company before you even have the product kind of out the door? Or is this something that any company at any stage in their AR could think about?
0: I think the bigger you are, the more difficult it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this is going to be actually an advantage for uh, younger organizations. Uh, to react to 23 and the pressures there. I think it's not impossible though, regardless where you are. And I think think this is just a natural process of how the market moves and the tectonic plates shift um, that you as an organization need to adapt to. And um, I think you should seriously think about implementing some of these things in order to make it easier for you being bought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and I think that's not a wild proposal to put forward. Um, regard, regardless of your size, uh, honestly.
1: Well, that's been some really great advice. I think we're kind of running out of time here. Thanks again for listening to um, us ramble a little bit more about this whole idea. And again, this is something that we're talking about as a company and we're taking this really seriously. Yep. And, and I think going to 2023, when we're looking at all the challenges ahead, I think that you need to have as little barriers to that funnel as possible. And pricing is a, is a huge step. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank again, you, Bart. Thanks again for having me. I'll see you guys again next week and uh, hopefully uh, we'll do some more of these. Have a good one. Bye-bye. See ya.